Good morning. It's uh, Dr. Medea with another biweekly episode of Fixing Healthcare from the Trenches. And today we are definitely in the trenches for those of us who are uh, loyal followers and we're here live at nine. I apologize. Uh, this is the problem with the trenches and it leads into our, our healthcare discussion with uh, Mr. Robert Abril, who's uh, who's on this on the business side trying to, to help fix healthcare. In my case, uh, I had a, um, you can see a lot of plates and, uh, and some pins and screws, and this guy shattered his wrist in a work injury, and that takes priority. And perhaps that's one of the challenges we're having in fixing healthcare is because those of us who are actually delivering it are busy, and, and we are, our priority must be taking care of patients. So we have to figure out a way that we can do that, but still deliver it in, in, in a cost-efficient, humane, and, um, and streamlined manner. And for that reason, we have uh, Mr. Robert Abril, who's um, with a um, physician management and uh, basically a, um, a company that, that helps put physicians together and, and make their business more streamlined. So without further ado, Robert, uh, thanks for joining us and tell us about your your, your firm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate you having us. Um, so our firm at Physician Growth Partners is focused on helping independent physician practices across medicine. So think single specialties um, primarily, but a little bit in primary care, multi-specialty, navigate the changing world of, of independent practice medicine. Um, we primarily focus on advising our clients through transactions with private equity and, and national MSOs. Um, but a lot of what we do is really focused on kind of achieving and, and maintaining independent medicine and, and helping physicians that chose that, that life of autonomy and chose that life of independence versus joining health systems and, you know, any other uh, academia, um, really maintaining that and, and the understanding that medicine is, is harder. It's harder to practice medicine tomorrow than it is today than it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the, the cost to practice medicine is going to be greater tomorrow than it was today. And, you know, it was yesterday. So, um, you know, happy to be here. You know, when we think about what our shop does, it's, it's really become an extension of, of the leadership teams that are our clients, which are independent physician practices and help them navigate kind of the wave of private equity investment happening within the space and, and really set practices up to be, continue to be independent moving forward and in position to be as successful or more successful in the next 10 to 15 years as they are today. So how, what, what would you say to those physicians who are forward thinking who maybe aren't big? Cause what I've noticed as call me naive, but I, I always thought, you know, you should buy low, sell high. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and obviously you folks are, you know, are, are in this also to, to make a, a good living, hopefully. Right. And at the same time, help, uh, help us physicians. So how would you uh, answer the, the fact that I, what I've noticed in, in healthcare is that the big players, the big groups, the big networks get more attention to just get mm -hmm. bigger? And I understand maybe, okay, they've been proven, but what about mm -hmm. those people who are actually doing something a bit different in healthcare that mm -hmm. are making it more streamlined, more cost effective, but yet they're not at this level? Why is it that you don't think that those people, other than, of course, you know, venture capital, early stage, but I'm talking about companies like yours that aren't venture capital. You are, you understand healthcare. Why is it that you think the smaller uh, entities get much less attention? What, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, look, I think it's interesting where you find it. We're at an interesting point within healthcare today where there's really, you know, we kind of think about it as a triangle, right? You've got three different forces kind of pulling in different directions. And, and you can kind of argue maybe there's a fourth with the academic side of the world. But um, for the sake of the argument, you know, there's three forces and then there's independent physicians that are kind of standing in the middle of it, trying to decide their, their destiny. You've got health systems, which have obviously always existed within healthcare, but because of the cost of medicine, you're seeing health systems and markets consolidate, which right. is good for health systems, but is it good for the physician? That's a whole different uh, discussion. Right. And then on the other side of the triangle, you've got payers that traditionally sat on the payer side, but today, you know, they've got this kind of, uh, quote unquote, wall between uh, their provider side. But the fact mm -hmm. is payers like Optum and, and United are are consolidating provider, the provider universe as well. And you know, one of the largest employers of physicians in the country is Optum, who is a payer, right? It's not the health systems. And so and then you've got private equity on the other side, right? And you've got private equity offering certain things that you know we can certainly talk about, um, kind of offering something different that's that's ownership and that's partnership and it's physician driven and independent etc um and that's kind of on the other side and then you've got kind of smaller groups that are in the middle trying to figure out hey can i exist as i always have kind of in this middle or do i have to start thinking about what's the option for me around kind of bigger and so to your point and why i bring that up is you think about the kind of size private equity is is a, is a small fish and <laughs> start to compare it against payers and health systems right, right. Um, and so, well, you know, to your point around attention, I actually would say that those smaller practices that want to maintain autonomy and be independent have never gotten more attention because of the opportunity that they have to partner with private equity or merge with other practices and things that can kind of combat the mega, mega payers and health systems of the world. I see. Yeah. What, you know, I, no, thank you for answering my question. I, I, I'm just kind of thinking that the, these pressures of one and needing to consolidate are to me in, in a sense stifling innovation because mm -hmm. what people are worried about was being able to, to cover their their bottom line and to do that you have to you have to group together but in order to practice medicine a bit differently maybe maybe more efficiently that kind of gets lost in this equation and that, that's that's kind of what I'm worried about with the future yeah. I mean uh, Obviously, there's a lot of concern amongst physicians about the 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 entry of of private equity because, you know, private equity companies notoriously make a lot of money. I mean, they're the ones, you know, these yeah. guys are the ones buying houses on the water. You know, I, yeah. I bought mine, but in 1999, <laughs> I could not, as a busy surgeon doing this kind of work, yeah. I, I could not afford a house on the water in Miami at this t time of day. So I, I, yeah. I don't mind. I'm a capitalist, man. I was born in Cuba. Mm -hmm. I, I came to this country, God bless America, but I'm worried that the people who spent all those years with education and training are gradually getting left by the wayside uh, economically, mm -hmm. to a point of degree. So I think that, that maybe, maybe physician growth partners may have a niche and an opportunity to really pay attention to those physicians who are doing that, rather than just focusing on, on the consolidation and, and that immediate big deal i think that yeah. the growth down the road is really the the big enchilada but you know well, it remains to be seen and that's the crux of what we do here right is is private equity has been within healthcare for 30 years and you're going back to dentistry anesthesia radiology and, and those groups to your point private equity did very well right they, they have a long track record 
of growing healthcare businesses. The problem with those, what we call private equity 1.0, is the majority of, of that return and, and that, that capital went back to the private equity group. It didn't go to the physicians. It didn't go right. to the, you know, the dentist, the anesthesiologist. And so, you know, what we've been on the forefront of within, you know, really private equity 2.0 and 3.0 and, you know, whatever fancy names you want to give it, but really the transactions that are happening within orthopedics and procedure-based businesses where you have highly producing surgeons that are leading and running these organizations is how do you create alignment in the structure of, of these transactions so that it's not the overwhelming majority of the economics going to the private equity guys and the guys in suits. The overwhelming majority is actually going to the surgeons, right? The private equity groups, and we've created this alignment where there's no winning on the private equity side without the physicians winning um, you know, more so. So every dollar of in incremental growth, the majority of that goes to the physicians. Um, and that creates a more sustainable model. That creates a, a, an opportunity where you create retention for physicians because they're on the forefront of that and they benefit in a greater capacity than private equity. Uh, and so, you know, again, a much longer discussion, but one where the focus on the shift of the models today in orthopedics and gastro and neuro, and again, all the surgical specialties uh, has been really creating true alignment so that it's not the private equity guy with the house on the water. You know, what, when that when that platform does well, you and the, the physician and the private like, wait, both of us do that. Right, right. Well, but exactly. Both so you guys are not you guys connect. It may not be private equity. There may be other uh, the other ways to either consolidate or grow. But but you folks really are kind of the agent for, say, let's say, the, you know, NFL player. You guys are the agent and the private equity or the big healthcare systems or even the payers may be the, the, the teams and the, and the TV networks, but you guys are like the agents. So you're not, you're, are you injecting money yourselves as, as no. a group? No, you're doing, okay. So you so guys obviously make your money in, in commission-based depending on the deal, et cetera. Right. Yeah. So when you, when, yeah. So if you're a practice that's, that's kind of considering what you want to do in the future, you know, you, you go out and you hire a transaction advisor like us and you hire a lawyer and we're both, okay you know, your professional rep representatives to a process. We focus really on structure, economics, strategy, and, and kind of general kind of quarterbacking the process. We work alongside the lawyers that obviously make sure things are papered appropriately. Um, but, but that's our role is to make sure, you know, a big piece of what we do is making sure that transactions are structured in a physician advantageous way, right? So that the practice, it's not a one-time buyout. It's not a sell your soul to the devil, you get a big check. And then in five years, you regret it, right? It's how do you make sure the transaction is structured so that you maintain that autonomy, that decision-making around your local practice, that you have your know, shared upside in, in whatever the result of, of that partnership is, both economically from an equity perspective, decision-making perspective. So, you know, we really sit now on this side of the table, the physician, and make sure that, you know, the platforms that are created today and the private equity investments that are done today are not a recreation of the dental investments in the 90s, right? It's it's making sure the physicians have the biggest seat at the table when these partnerships are formed. So, yeah, you guys essentially are hopefully in the trenches with us and it'll be a different model. So that, that's that's why we wanted you on here, because in the end, I mean, we see healthcare is changing. We can't keep our, our uh, keep our head in the sand. So uh, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So I'd like to know it very succinctly. I mean, literally bullet points. Mm -hmm. One, two, three. What do you think uh, would be three great initiatives that could actually disrupt healthcare delivery, make it more more cost effective, more efficient? Because what we have now is not sustainable. So yeah. I mean, there could be twenty initiatives, but what would you say 
Are you yeah. in the top three? I think. Look, I think I'm I'm biased because everything I do is is a huge. Uh, um, no, but I'm biased in the fact that I work with independent physicians every single day. I've never worked for with or for a physician that that works at a hospital system that works in an academic setting. So the continued in, in ice insulation of independent medicine is key. Okay. Uh, hospitals are not efficient. Everyone knows that that works within healthcare, and a focus on how do we create an ecosystem where it in, a physician can be an independent medicine in 10, 15 years is key to me. So it's not necessarily a change as much as it's a, hey, medicine's going this way. We need to make sure we kind of stay on the same path. Right, we have right the course, gotcha. Okay, right. number two. To me, that that is immensely important, right? And my other two changes really kind of are, are reflective of that is there needs to continue to be a shift to outpatient care. And it's one thing we've heard about for 10 years, yeah. right? The, you know, the ambulatory surgery centers and, and in your Absolutely. world, right? Doing more total joints and things, robust procedures within a surgery center setting. Uh, but more so than that, right, the ability for independent physicians to continue to control the continuum of care outside of the hospital system, it's better for patients, it's better for providers, it's cheaper, it's more efficient. And so, again, it's just creating, it goes with the consolidation, 20 independent physicians that have joined together can support more of that uh, outpatient care and that, that ecosystem outside, whether it's having MRIs, x-rays, you know, in your world, physical therapy centers and, and things that allow for you to, to create that patient experience within your own house and not have to rely on, you know, big medicine and healthcare and, or I'm sorry, in, in health systems or payers, et cetera, is immensely important, I, I think, in healthcare. Moving forward in the last one is data. And this one's a little bit different, yeah. but it's, and it's data on this, again, everything I talk about is independent medicine and, and physician autonomy. It's the ability to have data within independent settings because that's going to assist when you eventually get to bundle payments right i'm sure you know again within orthopedics bundle payments is relevant and then when you start to get into the value-based care and other specialties the ability to show outcomes data um and, and do that again not having to go to the health system to do that or go to the optimums of the world to do that be able to have sophistication within private practice um, to produce the data necessary that's going to allow you to be competitive moving forward um, is key. And, and the only way physicians are going to be able to do that is, is by coming together and being thoughtful on how you're tracking that data because it's going to be exceptionally powerful um, in kind of maintaining those first two points that I said moving forward. So, yeah, so if I can interject regarding that, that uh, just, just in December, um, legislation was passed that um, would allow uh, – you know, practice-based outcomes that are not necessarily, uh, you know, evidence-based, but, you know, in other words, we'll be able to use that as um, to hold up to, so, so for, to, for particular implants. So that's something I'm very involved in. So that, that, mm -hmm. that's great that we, we're aligned. So I'm going to give you my three super fast because I have patients lined up and yeah, uh, you've been very patient. Uh, so mine is, is somewhat aligned with yours. One is uh, you need to see the right clinician at the right time. And I believe totally in these outpatient centers. But as a hand surgeon, I can tell you the average person has seen two, if it's a work comp, a work injury, they've seen two or three clinicians before me. That's an incredible waste of time and money. So right mm -hmm. clinician at the right time, that will save money and it's good, good for the patient, good for the system. Uh, Second one is we need oversight, but not authorization. Authorization is literally uh, hurdles that, that, that all clinicians must jump through. 
which is absurd by people who give that number don't know about this clinical entity. And that, right. that is that is wasting a lot of money. Although we do need oversight because there are, you know, there are some bad players or, you know, we make mistakes, we're human and we need the mm-hmm. oversight, but definitely not the, the authorization. And then the last one is uh, what we're doing here, Robert, is is uh, patient and, and public education. Okay, public education will uh, force the the uh, the leadership in this country to understand that the patients are sick and tired of how complex it is to access care and how darn expensive it is. So hopefully, with partners such as your your firm and others out there, we can really make it more cost effective. And um, I think you know I think we're on the right track. Certainly, the authorization is something that's not being paid attention to. In, in fact, by uh, United Healthcare is one of the players uh, that yeah. you mentioned. So hopefully that'll continue. So you got the last word. No, that I, I look, I, I appreciate the time here and appreciate us chatting because I think a big piece of moving forward is physicians educating themselves, right? Not every option may be the right one for you, yes. but I think taking it upon yourself and taking the onus on yourself to educate yourself on these things happening in your specialty and, and broadly within healthcare is going to be key for, for physicians and not relying on the rumor mill. Absolutely. So on our next um, episode, we'll be in two weeks. We'll go back to having a forward-thinking clinician, a uh, um, uh, fellow hand surgeon who's been invited, who's a forward-thinking person, and uh, hope all of you join us for the next episode of Fixing Healthcare from the Trenches. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Robert.